It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the show, Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry. Marco, did you catch the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on the Great White Shark? Yeah, I did. I did. And uh, can we just start at the top? I mean, just some of the performances we saw from our girls this week too in LA. We're going to talk about them in a tick. Minji Lee and Hannah Green, just Brilliant. fantastic. Just just. The way they swing the golf club, honestly, we've got two of the best golf swings we've ever seen in Australian history. And I'm talking about throw Peter Thompson in there, Steve Elkington, just people who could really swing the club. Uh, Minji Lee and Hannah Green are right up there. Absolutely just brilliant Looking what they are doing in the world of golf. Dissecting that. But, my God, the shark, he just can't keep out of the news, honestly. He, he, he's had a year. Like, the, the great white nudist has gone to <laughs> new levels this week. Absolutely. Well, hang on. Being fair, 30 for 30, he wouldn't have put his hand up for that. He would have said yes to it, clearly, but they would have approached him. Oh, of course. Uh, But with everything that's going going on in the world, it it is amazing that the 30 for 30 comes out while, you know, the the Saudi tour and and what they're trying to put together. But the 30 for 30 itself, I mean, I grew up worshipping Greg Norman. Uh, my dad used to take him, me along to the Masters at Huntingdale to watch him play. And then I turned pro in the 90s, uh, in 1990, and he was the king of the world at that stage as well. Um, well, he inspired would, Curry Webb. He would step foot onto a golf course, uh, and he was a rock star anyway. And then he put the cowboy hat on, and, and my God, it, it was rock star meets oh, God knows what. Um, and the amount of people on the roars and the adulation, if he was in the event, it was – you know, not many other people could get a look in. And, and that's okay. I mean, it's the same with Tiger at the Masters this year. I mean, you've got the best players in the whole world getting around at Augusta and, and one man stole the show and he hadn't played for 500 days. So so Greg was always like that. And, and you know, that, that, that just is who he was. I mean, he was an amazing golfer, world number one for 331 weeks. But to relive his Masters... Um, fall in 1996, and then to also relive some of the other stuff. I mean, some of the commentary, the the, 30, the people who put the 3030s together, and, and I know they get directors and producers from all genres and genres, and um, my God, they did an amazing yeah, job. To go do. back at, to get some of the old commentators, Peter Costas and, and everybody else, and, you know, we, we're always so focused on what Larry Myers did or what Bob Tway did, you know, the, the hole outs, but... Then you put it into the perspective what he was actually shooting on the back nine in these majors. Uh, and, yeah, they, they might have lost it on the, the playoff hole or the 72nd with a hole out, Greg, I'm talking about. But he shot 40 on the back mm. nine. Mm. Or he shot, you know, he he, he, he fritted away shots. Mm. Um, you know, watching 86 again, watching the 1986 Masters again when Jack Nicholas won. A lot of people say it's the greatest Masters of all time. I'm in that camp. Mm-hmm. Um to see Greg Norman birdie 14, 15, 16 and 17 to get back tied with the greatest player who ever lived. At that stage, only 17 majors. He had a chance to birdie five, the last five holes in a row. If he birdies the last five holes in a row, um, then he has beaten the greatest player in history. At the greatest, at the greatest masters. masters of all time in doing so. In the end... You know, to hear him talk through what he's, you know, he talks through all these great shots. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but, you know, he said it was 182 yards, which is a perfect five iron for him, a hard five iron mm-hmm. up the hill. So instead of just picking that shot, he, he tried to finesse a four iron and tried to hit a high cut. 
Um, look, I, I'll, explain why. I've never been in a situation like that. I've never even been close to a situation like that. But, you know, sitting back in my armchair right now, I know that's the wrong shot. <laughs> just, you know, you're so full of energy and juice and you've just booted four in a row and this is the Masters and you're trying to beat Jack Nicholas. The five iron was the right club. Mm. I mean, he probably didn't even need to step on it, Tiff. He probably, he probably could have just made a normal swing and it would have gone the extra distance because of adrenaline and got up on the top deck and he, let's say he's got a 20-footer. Yep. He's got a 20-footer for five in a row to beat Jack Nicholas. So to relive all that stuff was just incredible. I thought it was so gutsy of – and this is going to sound strange. But for Greg Norman to walk the holes at Augusta and talk through the mistakes, God, that must have hurt. Mm. I mean, unless he – you know, he's, he's obviously wired differently from everybody else. Maybe he enjoyed telling the story. Well, I think that's it. He is a showman. Yeah. And he does enjoy the microphone. You know, he does enjoy talking I, about golf. Can talk- I just yeah. touch on this one thing? This one thing that I just felt absolutely staggering. And I'd heard the story before and I was really hoping that he would tell it when this was coming out. After, I think he's leading by seven shots um, going into Sunday. Um, a few things happened that he didn't like. And, you know, that's that's world golf, bad luck. But he found out that um, his jet was sent home to pick up his friends to bring them back um, to basically Watch. to celebrate yeah. him winning the tournament. Now, if you've played at golf at any level, you know the golfing gods are, are so cruel. Yes. And, and karma is a, a big beast. deal. Yep. A big deal in golf. It really is. Particularly the ones who believe in it. Greg's a believer. And he, he mentioned this. He said, you know, he's a real karma killer. Um, he found out about that and he thought it was done. The next day, he doesn't say this in, in the actual 30 for 30, but I know the story because he's told this story to people I know. The next day on a Sunday, 12 of his best friends have come busting through the front door um, on the Sunday morning before he hits off, virtually celebrating his win at the Masters. Here to celebrate. They're there to go walk the course and... To be there for him when he wins. But if he could be a fly on the wall, his My reaction. My God, you know, as as far as golf goes, that is just the kiss of death. Mm. Uh, not, I mean, and everything that he had gone through with all the hole outs, all the chip ins, all this stuff. The last thing he needed was a change in his uh, routine before he plays. My God, I'd love to My hear from goodness. from some of those best mates. Whether they still are. Well, who sent the plane home, Tiff? That's I mean, that, that's the thing. Greg didn't send the plane home. So, look, I know Laura Norman sent the plane home, and she her heart was in, yeah. it was in the right place. There's no question about that. Her heart's in the right place. But my goodness, you know, when that if that happened, <laughs> if I was leading the tournament, you know, if I was leading the tournament, and my and somehow my friends turned up celebrating that I'd won before I hit off, I'd be so angry. And this is happening when a green jacket mm. is on the line. On the line. Anyway, All if right. you haven't seen the 30 for 30, watch it. Make sure you do. Absolutely. It's ESPN. A All right, the live Saudi. Well, tournament. Not many players are, are signing up, really. Not but, many of the ones that count. But there are four. Yeah, they're four. Who and just made a public, well, yeah. Look, I, I, I crossed the street this, to watch Phil Mickelson play. 
Sergio, sure. of course. Sergio, definitely. I'm going to cross the street. Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood, maybe not so much anymore. Ian Poulter. I'd watch from a distance. Ian Poulter, I'd watch from a distance. Robert Gagarius, what's his name? That's it. Yeah, something like that. Um, I might draw the curtains if, if Roger, uh, Robert, what's his name? Robert. So if, if, yeah, he's one of the other confirmed. Who, well, you've got to ask permission to go and play. And these so far are the ones that we believe have asked that permission. So it's not exactly setting the world on fire, but it is the first step. Robert Garrigas. There we go. That'll do. So it's the first step in probably what they think is a lot of first steps to get it up and going. So, look, obviously they were hoping for... Dustin Johnson and, you know, the poster boys of world golf. They were hoping for that. They haven't got them as yet. But what happens if Robert Gregarious wins the tournament and he wins five million bucks? Gregarious. Gregarious. We'll get it right. Well, see, well, that's what half, happens? it's half he, the story that we don't know his name. It's half the story that we don't know That's why I'm laughing. He, right. he laughs to the bank. That's what he does. So, well, that's what – but does – does the rest of the golfing world go, hang on a second, this guy's just won five million. What am I doing? I'm just, perhaps his, that's I, his strategy. I've just come fifth and won 200,000. I can beat Robert every day of the week. Maybe I should go. So there's a, there is a stack to play out, mm. a stack to play out. And if you get a few players tiptoeing over there, a few of the bigger names, you know, like Shefali or Cantlay or, you know, the guys that they both won this week or some of the Australians start going over or some of the big-name Europeans start playing more of them, and it becomes, you know, maybe maybe the furor that's in the press at the moment just, you know, lessens. Maybe this time next year there'll be a lot of players going. It sounds like they've got an endless well of money. All right. What about his tilt to potentially play at this year's 150th running of the Open? Is it just a PR? No, it's not. No, it's not. He probably just didn't know the rule probably. Yeah, I mean, so the rule is that the rule is yep. once you get to sixty, then your exemption from playing in the open disappears. Or you have to have won in the previous ten years. Or yeah, something like that. So, yeah, so right. he now and has to go through qualifying, and he's saying no. Yeah, he go qualify. That'd be interesting. Would he qualify? Oh no, I don't think he'd qualify. I don't think he would. Um, you know, there's a hell of a lot of good players out there, and look, there's all these international qualifyings now as well. That you know, from different tournaments around the world, if you finish in the top, whatever you can get through. Um, so look, he didn't know the rule. He probably thought he was a two-time winner and would waltz in if he wanted to, but um, that's not going to happen. So he's missed. He's made quite a big misjudgment there. I'll, I'll, I'll let him off there. It's a big misjudgment. All right. Well, watch this space because it seems to be most weeks we're talking about Greg Norman. And uh, moving <laughs> forward, moving on though, as you said at the top of the show, Hannah Green, Minji Lee. Hannah finishes second at the uh, at the LA, LA, LA Open, Open. Yeah, at LA Open, yeah. Country and, Club. Yep. Yeah, uh, and Minji uh, tied for third. A very, very, very good tournament. They couldn't catch the uh, Japanese girl. Five I have a hard time saying her name, but uh, she looked fantastic and putted brilliantly for the week. Um, but our two girls, their golf swings are amazing. Hang around because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a fair head start to being able to swing the club perfectly. There's a lot more to it, but there is one ingredient that you must Good. have, and these two girls have both. They have, it, they have it. So wait for the uh, masterclass at the end. All right. Japan's Nasa Hataoka was the winner of the LA Open. All right. Coming Pronunciation. up. Pronunciation. Oh, it's a tough name to say. Coming up after the break, we've got – not one, but two cherry picks. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back to the show. And Marco, I love connecting with uh, our young up-and-coming talent. And our first Cherry Pick guest is just that. He won a career-changing maiden victory at the WA PGA Championships. Welcome to the show, Jay McKenzie. Great to have you join us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So just uh, in terms of this career-changing victory, you've been around for a a few years, a handful of years, I think, and you've been thereabouts but haven't uh, been able to secure a win. What does this mean to you? What what will it do for your career, do you think? Uh, I'm not really sure. It's been – yeah, I reckon it just helps a lot money-wise and um, just gives me somewhere to play for another couple of years and – yeah, can keep living the dream. So, so tell me, Jay, um, it's a bit of like oh, I watched a little bit on the telly. The swing looks magnificent. The way you putt, I want to talk about that a little bit later uh, in the thing. Yeah. But you've won a couple of proams. My my question is, why this week? Why did you win this week? Uh, I don't know. I I guess the golf gods are on my side. I, I I really don't know. I just it was. I I've sort of been slowly playing better and better, and um. It just, I think it just all clicked. So was it the way you hit the ball or was it the way you putted or was it just maybe the first time you've put four rounds together? Uh, it was probably, I just kind of felt comfortable this week, to be honest mm. with you, and it kind of, my game just felt, um, I don't really know, I kind of hit it really good and I putted really good, so <laughs> normally that leads to good scores, doesn't it? <laughs> sure does. Jay, it's, it's sort of been building, hasn't it? I looked at your results for the, uh, you know, for the Australian season and at Cobram Baruga it seemed like something happened there because prior to that you'd missed six of the seven cuts and then it just started, uh, y- your results have just started becoming better and better over the last five or six events. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I think at Cobram, I've, I'd been having like, I've been just like seriously just like had this driving yips and was hitting shanks and it was putting it a fairway. And um, and then at Cobram, I kind of was, my swing kind of held up during trying to make the cut. And then um, I just kind of built a bit of confidence from that and it's just slowly got better and better. So for every other golfer out there listening, and many of them have the yips and hit it sideways, shank it, yeah. what what was it for you that clicked at Cobram? What what did you actually – did you do anything different or it was just – it just happened and you went, you know what, I can feel that, I'm going to keep doing it? I'd been working at it really hard, trying – like on – like I'd been able to start – because I was, I was hitting hosels even on the range and then I kind of wasn't doing that on the range and then I kind of – I can't really, I've just been, I was working on like just a little thing on my swing, trying to keep my head up, not like I wasn't dipping into the ball because I felt like I was just dipping into it and I was just getting stuck. And um, I really worked on that. Then it kind of held up as I was playing and I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm. So maybe I can play golf again. So so you're trying to win your first four rounder uh, and there's significant prize money, prize money that, you know, is going to be very helpful for somebody who sleeps in his car, uh, let's say, Joe. Uh, We might talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, I I know you had a three-shot lead in the middle of that back nine on Sunday um, and then you make a double bogey on 17. So what goes through your head? You you tap in for double and then you've got a one-shotter, a one-shot lead walking to the 18th tee. What, What were you... What was the self-talk like? Oh, it wasn't all that bad. I kind of, 
wasn't too worried. I kind of, <laughs> I don't, I, I can't really explain. I kind of, um, I, I just, I hit a really good shot in there and I got unlucky and then I just hit a, I hit an all right shot up on the green and then went over the green. But then the, the third, the, um, what was it? The third shot, that was a horrible little chip. But, um, no, I wasn't super fast. I mean, I still had like a one shot lead. So, you must have felt like you were in control. Love. You must, I mean, to, to actually, to, to process that situation the way you, you've just, you know, verbalized for us, you yeah. must have felt like you were in real control. Uh, well, not at that point in time. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt, yeah, I felt like, well, I'd hit the shot in, like, I'd hit the forearm. I was like, oh, awesome. Like, I've hit the green. And then it just went over. And I was like, uh, I said to Bree, who was doing the on course thing, I was like, did that go over? And she's like, oh, yeah, I think so. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a bugger, isn't it? But um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I felt, yeah, I felt really in control. It was weird. Kind of, I just felt really comfortable. Hey, Jay, tell us about this famous fan. Well, it's going to be famous because we'll make it famous. <laughs> but uh, where did it come from? How many Ks has it done? Give us a, give us a description of the interior. Um, radio. Uh, it's pretty old and beaten up. Um, my grandfather gave it to me. He'd had it for like, oh, I think it's a 90, it's a 1995 troop carrier. So <laughs> he, he'd had it basically, I think since it was new and, um, he wanted to get a better car, you know, <laughs> you know, and I, and he gave it to me and then, um, yeah, I've just been driving around in that for a couple of years and, um, I couldn't tell you exactly how many Ks it's done because the um the speedo Broken. stopped at or well, the speedo stopped at five hundred and fifty thousand Ks or something. So. And how many years ago was that? Oh uh, well, maybe like three or four years ago or something. <laughs> so yeah, it's done a few, but it seems to keep going. So um, And what how do you yeah. and you've decked it out? What is it a sort of a touring uh, little bed in the yeah, back? Just, how does how does it put, work? Yeah, I just put like a um just put like a little bed in the back and it's not really decked out. Like, kind of doesn't need to be too decked out. Most of the time, we get fed at proams and stuff. So, how's your um, <laughs> how does you how's your back when you get out of the van? Like, I mean, you know, you're a grown man. You're uh, you're, you're relatively tall, lanky. How does that work with yeah, with your body and your posture and everything as you're preparing to tee off? Oh, uh, it's pretty low. I'm pretty low maintenance. It's it's um, <laughs> it doesn't um doesn't affect me too much. I'm um. You're still a baby, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> hey, still hey, a baby, hey, I guess. Jay, tell yeah. me this. You know, when you watch it on TV, most people couldn't tell you apart from people on the European or the US tour. I mean, your game is good. It looks solid and your putting is brilliant. So yeah. what, what's the next step for you? You're 22 years old. You've been living out of your car. Do you want to be a PGA Tour player? Do you want to be a European Tour player? Or do you want to just be an Australian local player and, and, you know, golf's almost a hobby for you. Professional golf is almost a hobby for you. What, um, what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I just want to play and keep playing. Honestly, I don't like where I don't really care where I play as long as I can just keep playing. So whether that's living a really nice lifestyle or living in the back of my car, I really don't care. I just love playing golf. So, um, so, so if things click and I, get on the PJ tour or European tour, that'd be awesome. But I really, you know, it's, it's a pretty good lifestyle. I hit a golf ball around and 
Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if the dig holes or anything. So. No, not yet. Anyway, not yet. Yeah. There's plenty. There's plenty of kids who have, who have won tournaments and ended up digging holes. I can promise you. So, <laughs> have you got a plan? I mean, that's that's basically it. I mean, you're you're a really laid back character, and we love that. You know, golf's full of laid back <laughs> characters who play fantastic. Is there yeah. a plan? Uh, oh. I can help you with Not the plan really. if you like. Not really. Yeah, you, you can help me. I, I don't. Is, really, I don't really. Let's know work on something with this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, what's next? Um, Have you got the? Is it the WA Open at Royal Fremantle yeah. this week? Starts yeah. Thursday. Yeah. 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 Playing that, um, which will be pretty fun. I haven't played there before, so looking forward to that. Apparently, it's pretty tight, so that might be good for me. And but, the, um, is there a mindset going into that? Do you feel any pressure? I mean, as, uh, as Marco just said, you're pretty laid back, but is there any pressure that's crept in on the back of the win as, you, as you're preparing uh, to tee up again? No, I don't think so. It means I don't have to worry about making a check this week. So, <laughs> um, I'm, um, no, no, it's probably a bit less pressure, really. I don't really – I don't know. I don't really – it's only golf, so I don't really get yeah. too it's just that's, golf. That's, right your, that's your mindset. It's good. Tell, tell me about yeah. your putting. That, that that was my highlight. You know, there's there's a thousand good swings getting around, you know, the world and and swings that can work in pressure situations. But the way you putted, Jay, I, I absolutely loved it. You know, there was no messing around. It looked like you were just warming up before you played, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Is that something you, you you work on, that you try and keep it as just normal as possible? Um, yeah, I mean – you just got to keep that same routine all day and then you sort of just let it happen, I guess. Perfect. And if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, That is the perfect mindset for putting. Yeah. You, you probably don't yeah. realise that. Well, maybe you no. do. Maybe, maybe you do. Yeah. But for people listening, that is it. That is yeah. the entire mindset of putting. You, yeah. you just can't get hung up on trying to hold everything because expectation gets in the way. I reckon you're going to go yeah. a long way, Jay. I reckon you're going to win more tournaments. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, um, well Jay, hopefully. you've you've jumped. Uh, I had a look. I think it's about a thousand spots. You're out, you're around what seven hundred and thirty or thereabouts in the world, which is uh, obviously there's a still a fair way to go. But um, but you're moving in the right direction. And uh, as you yeah. said, you're only twenty two years of age from Ballina Golf and Sports Club. And congratulations on on winning at Kalgoorlie. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nate. Jay McKenzie there, and uh, we're going to check in now with a board member of Shepparton Golf Club because we had some significant news late last week with Shepparton Golf Club signing Australia's inaugural RNA Women in Golf Charter. So it's great to now welcome Anne Pegg, who's a board member, as I said, at Shepparton Golf Club, and Welcome to the show and congratulations on what is a monumentous uh, a moment in Australia in terms of uh, our inaugural signing of the RNA Women in Golf Charter. It's fabulous that Shepparton Golf Club's leading the way. Yes, we're very, very pl- proud of our club. Thank you. What does this mean to the club to not only be the first but to actually sign this golf charter? Well, it means that now we have an action plan and we can keep moving forward and it can keep being reviewed. It also just means that we have become a very inclusive club and we are recognising women in the club. It's always had a, a wonderful female membership, Anne. I know that just because my parents have been there and my mum was a, you know, a, a member at Shepparton a long, long, long time ago Another with one of her very good friends, Dorothy Bodsworth. So... It's always had 
a wonderful connection with the girls. Why do you put it down to? I think maybe country women. I'm not really sure. I think we have a great bunch of ladies. We all work really well together. We support each other. Mm. We also have a lot of families out there. Like my whole family have been members out there, my children, my brothers, my sisters, my mum and dad. So it's very community, family orientated. And and we're not saying that these two are linked, meaning you don't have to be a visionary of the year to be a Women in Golf Charter signatory. But you, the club also won the inaugural visionary of the year last year, which was, again, a fantastic achievement. Did that help set you up for this next chapter? Yes, definitely. In what way? It sort of started to show us the way, how far we can go with golf with women, how we can promote it, how we can encourage other women to join the club and to play. It really, and we've just got a great base of um, people out there sort of encouraging us. What do the members say, both the women and the men, what are they saying about the club and, and what this is doing for their club and I suppose even for the community at large? Look, they're very, very proud. We're all very, um, in, like, encouraging each other. We all want to be part of it. Um, yeah, just like it's just a, a very proud moment. We're, yeah, we're very proud, happy, yeah. And what about the come and play days? They've been so successful right around yes. the country. Tell us, tell us about those. Well, it just encourages women to come out and play. They don't have to have a handicap. They don't really have to be able to be involved in any type of golf. It just And we really promote that come and have a cup of coffee, come and have a chat, just enjoy other other people's company. And also, Anne, if there's clubs listening, which there will be, that are keen on winning the vision of the year and becoming a Women in Golf uh, Charter signatory from the RNA, what what, what have you done that they can, pardon the pun, cherry pick and, uh, and implement at their, at their own club? Look, I think they need to talk. I think they need to come together as a club. I think they need to promote what they feel their club can give to their wider community just to encourage and support each other and to continue to be in- inclusive within, within their clubs. And you've also got, I believe, a really strong mentor program, don't you? That's a, p- women who are new to the club are assigned... A mentor, yes, is that we correct? have mentees, mentors, and we have like a WhatsApp so you can connect with each other. We have constant, um, you know, you check with, if, you're, if, you, if you've got somebody, you check with them each week and make sure that they're okay. We encourage them to get a handicap. We encourage them to come out and play. Yeah, and we have just evenings where we just all sit and chat. And so what's next for the club? You've, you've won, you, you've won the, the, uh, the inaugural vision of the year. You're now... A signatory. What would you like to achieve next that continues in this area? I would probably like to see a woman take up one of the major roles on the committee. I think that would be really good Um, and just to continue to grow as a club. How many board members do you have Um, and how many are women? Well, on the committee of management we have seven and we have three women. Yeah. Right. Well, that, that's which a big, is really good. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a big big part of it. You need women at the decision making level to um, to be able to start implementing these changes and these programs. Well, we applaud you, Anne, and we applaud Shepherd and Golf Club. It's absolutely brilliant. Thank you for leading the way.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Well done, Anne. All right, coming up after the break, we've got all the news with not Martin Blake, but his, uh, his sidekick, Dane Heverin, will be joining us right after this. Welcome back to the show, and it's great to welcome Dane Heverin to the podcast. Dane, welcome along. And uh, we spoke about Hannah Green and Minji Lee at the top of the show, but let's just build this out a little bit, that both girls are now, we've got obviously in the top 20, Hannah's moved up seven spots to world number 19, and Minji's now number four in the world. Yeah, thank you, Tiff. Yeah, they have jumped back up, uh, back into the top 20 for Hannah, which is huge, and Minji's back up to number four after sliding down a spot last week. And it was interesting afterwards. Minji actually sort of gave everyone a bit of an insight into her mindset. She actually said she was disappointed with her performance last week because she made so many bogeys despite coming third. You know, which was an interesting one. But I think it was a big weekend for Aussie golf fans on the couch. We obviously had the LA Open on and the PGA Tour over in New Orleans, but there was also the Ladies European Tour in Bonville as as well as the PGA Tour of Australasia over in Kalgoorlie. So, you know, in Bonville, um, England's Megan McLaren got the win. It was her third win in Australia, so she's becoming a little bit of an Australian specialist. Hey, Dave, Dave, just before we go any further, can can we just congratulate the people who got that golf course up to scratch after all the rain that Bonville have had? Great point. Uh, They they mentioned it a couple of times on the broadcast. Um, You you couldn't tell on the TV, obviously, Um, but they kept on saying that after the amount of rain and, and weather they had copped in the last, you know, probably a month, six weeks, however long it's been going, two months probably. Um, the fact that the golf course looked presentable on the telly and was very, very playable for all the players, um, I, I think they need an enormous yes. congratulations yeah. for what they achieved. Yeah, definitely. It was a huge effort. Um, the tournament actually had to be shortened to 54 rounds as well because there was rain on Friday and Saturday. So, um, you know, the course looked absolutely brilliant. But I think for Australian golf fans, it was more about learning a few big names for the future. We had 15-year-old amateur Sarah Hammett and 18-year-old amateur Justice Bozio come in a tie for sixth. Wow. And there was also 19-year-old amateur Belinda Jai just a shot back from them alongside Sarah Kemp. So we had four Aussies inside the top ten. That that they, that that is incredible, really. I mean, the LET Tour is a good one, and they got a fantastic representation of their players coming to Australia. I mean, one is it's magnificent that you know we, at this level we've we've actually got tournaments in play, which is great. Uh, but to have these young girls play well amongst that talent, that's bigger than any amateur tournament can do for them because they get a real glimpse into their potential and I guarantee we all did it as amateurs you would have had a quick look after the tournament to work out how much money you would have won <laughs> and then you go hang on a second if I'm doing this every week then I'm a real chance um, so I, I think that's probably the, the greatest thing for Australian golf just watching those names the amateur names playing so well in that tournament. Hey just before you answer Jane a quick a question to the two of you do you feel like there's a wave of young players more than perhaps in previous years on the back of COVID with the TPS events that we're getting these young players in their teens that are coming through more so than what we have in previous years? I think it's just a credit to these tournaments being on TV, to tell you the truth. We've always had some really good players come along, but we haven't always had the tournaments uh, and the tournaments that the you know, Golf Australia and the PGA are putting on for these kids – and you, you match that, Dane, 
with the fact that they're playing in front of cameras. Now, mm. that adds a different dimension. You know, you, you can play in professional events uh, with no cameras. It, you know, it just feels like another event, to tell you the truth. But when you are in the lead of these tournaments and you've got cameramen dancing around behind you and, and people who are working for the broadcast all over the place. And all eyes on you. It's, it's another dimension that you have to get used to at professional golf. And you know what? You end up finding the ones who can sink, the ones who can play under that sort, those sort of stresses. Um, so I, I think, God, I don't think Golf Australia and the PGA realise just how big this is, what they're doing. Because um, to find players that can perform when there are camera people and everybody else associated with putting on a big event, um, you, you really do find out the ones who can play under those stresses. We, we spoke to Jay McKenzie before, and it gives you an insight into the just the laconic nature. Nothing's going to put that kid off. So no, nothing. He we might, tried and he, tried. <laughs> he might not have the pedigree of some of the best amateurs, but he's got the mindset to be able to play under tournament television conditions. So I think it's great what we're saying. Yeah, definitely. And uh, speaking with Sarah and Justice at the recent amateur event, Sarah came runner-up at the Australian Junior in Adelaide and Justice came runner-up at the Australian Amateur in Cranbourne just a few weeks ago when Mm. both of them just – got so much confidence from getting the opportunity to play against the pros in TPS events and things like that. They're really unfazed by, Mm. you know, going to a tournament like Bonville this week and having the cameras on. And And we're seeing, yeah, yeah, you go. Sorry. We're, um, yeah, we're really seeing a, a strong crop of particularly girls coming through in Australian golf over on the Epson tour in the United States this week, we had five Aussies come in the top 20, yeah. you know, which include the likes of Grace Kim and Gabby Ruffles. So we've really got, you know, more Aussies there knocking on the door of the top tours in the world. That, that's because of the investment, Dane. I, I have no doubt about it. I, I, know it. I know it costs money to run these tournaments and it, and it probably costs money to televise them as well. You know, I'm not up to date with those intricacies. I don't know. But the investment that Golf Australia is putting into our younger talent, it will pay off. Absolutely. And the pathways that we now see, we're we're chasing Mm. pathways. Um, The fact that we're chasing pathways and investing um, tournament golf into the young stars coming through, you watch what happens in 10 years. That's when we'll have a payoff and we'll be able to watch more and more Australian flags on leaderboards on tours around the world. What about uh, four women in the top... 50 in the next few years? Have we got four in the top 50 now? No, we've got four in the top 100. Top 100, oh, yeah. Well, look, I think that's that's going to happen. I, 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 there's no reason why we couldn't have 10 in the mm. top 50, to tell you the truth. We're such a powerful nation. The, the one thing and America has, this is the one thing America has, they have the most unbelievable junior programs and high school programs and then college programs. I mean, it is obscene, really, how many what the percentages are for Americans playing in these programs versus everybody else. We're all lagging miles behind. We don't get enough tournament play into our juniors. We don't, compared to America. They also have another 300 million people. But now if we start getting these kids into televised events, then then, then we've kind of got a little one up there. You Watch what happens. Hey, what about the two Jasons on the PGA Tour? Yeah, over at uh, New Orleans at the Zurich Classic, it 
it was at the start of the week, all eyes were on Cam Smith and Mark Leishman defending their title, but mm. Jason Day and Jason Scrivener quickly sort of took the spotlight and they ended up finishing 10th. And I hear that you've done a little bit of research on Jason Scrivener, Tiff. <laughs> I was reading up and the PGA were like, who is Jason Scrivener? And they had you know, five uh, interesting facts. And I'm sure you probably know Marco, but, you know, the average person out there may not know that Jason's cousin is married to Camilla Parker Bowles' son, Tom. Didn't know and that. And Camilla, of course, is the, will be the queen consort. She's been given wow. the uh, the royal approval from the queen herself. So, yeah, c- close to royalty. Yeah, Very that, close. That, that's pretty standard from the uh, US commentators. Unless you play in America, you're a nobody. Jason's been a really good player for a long, long time. A fantastic player. And it's great that he got over there with his mate, Jason Day, and, yeah. and finished 10th. It gives yeah. a bit of a look at, to, to what is possible. Hopefully he gets over on the PGA Tour at some stage. Mm. What else is going mm. on, Dane? Uh, in Canada, young Victorian professional Cameron John secured playing rights on the PGA Tour of Canada. He came fourth at Q, at Q School over there. That's good. So that was a huge result for him. And also um, Queensland PGA champion Anthony Quayle was the best of the Aussies in Japan, coming sixth. And then obviously the PGA Tour of Australasia stays over in Western Australia this week, heading to the WA Open. And there's just two events left. Yeah, I was going to ask um, how many events are left. Yeah, just two left for the season. So the order of merit race is really heating up. The um, you know top five obviously get DP World Tour cards and the top 15 get Corn Ferry qualifying Amazing. stage two spots. So good. All that stuff is so good. And that, that's the pathways I'm talking about. You know, the, the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia, they are chasing pathways. And if you are a young player right now practicing, um, do everything you can because by the time you get through, the pathway should be open. Absolutely. And I might put you on the spot here, but who are the top five in the order of merit as they stand at the moment with two tournaments to go? Uh, we've got Jed Morgan leading yep. with Untouchable. Uh, Blake Blake Windred, Andrew Doe, Dimi Papadados and Anthony Quayle rounding out the top five. Good on you, Dane. Yeah, well done. Thanks, Dane. Thank you. And, Dane, before we go to a break, I wanted to highlight a couple of our graduates of the Australian Golf Foundation Junior Girls Scholarship Program who both won a new set of Callaway clubs on the back of an outstanding year in the program. And we welcome now Bethany Clough, who's 14 years old from North Haven Golf Course in South Australia. Thanks so much for joining us, Bethany, and congratulations on your uh, nomination for the golf clubs and, uh, and, and obviously everything that you achieved through the scholarship program. Yep, thank you for having me. I believe that you were nominated because of your exceptional commitment to the program and your dedication to golf. What is it about golf that you love? Um, I love that I can do it with other people, especially my family and friends, and that it's like really relaxing and I can just go out whenever I want to and just have a hit and it doesn't matter where the ball goes as long as I'm having fun. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think that's for most of us. What did you love about the scholarship program? Well, I loved that I got to meet new people through it and I loved um, obviously getting the lessons and meeting new people through it. I met so many friends who I play golf with often. So that's been the biggest positive from it, I think. Yeah. And how did you start in golf? Was it as someone in your family? Were they playing golf? How was the journey started for you? Well, my mum works in um, golf clubs mainly. She's an accountant. And she thought um, we might as well give it a go 
because she works at a golf club, obviously. So I went down and did a couple of private lessons. And yeah, my love of the sport has just grown since then. And I believe you won a set of Callaway golf clubs. Have they arrived yet? No, they haven't arrived yet, but I'm super psyched for them. Well, yeah, Callaway is a great product. Have you uh, had a hit with a Callaway golf club before or a putter? Oh, yeah, I've got a set of Callaways at the moment. They're my mum's old ones. And I've really grown into them, and I'm really looking forward to having new ones. Callaway golf clubs are amazing. Yeah. And, um, Bethany, what do you want to do with golf? Is it a game you'd, you'd like to continue in in terms of simply having fun and playing with your friends, or is there something else that you want to achieve in golf? Well, if I get a lot better, then I'd love to go um, professional, but – I don't think I'm quite good enough. Well, you're only 15 uh, – well, you're not even 15 yet. You're only 14 years old, so there's still a lot of years ahead of you. Well, congratulations once again, Bethany, and it's great to have you join us on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And now we're going to check in with Lily Andrew, who's 12 years old from Bunbury in WA and also is a scholarship recipient who was chosen to win a set of Callaway clubs. Congratulations to you, Lily. Yeah, I'm really happy that – that I won that and it's a really good experience, the scholarship. How much fun was the program? The program was awesome. Um, I loved it. I loved interacting with all the girls, not just with the boys and just playing with the boys. You got some females joining with you and it was really good to have that experience. And how did you start in golf, Lily? Well, when I was 11, my dad started playing golf again. He played it like a long, a while back. And I just wanted to get into golf, just try a new sport, try something different. And then I started it and I eventually started loving it. It was a great, great thing. And when you saw this scholarship program opportunity, what was your first reaction? Well, my first reaction was when I applied for it, I was like, I wanted to do that. I wanted to get get there and like do the scholarship so I can meet other girls that do golf the same as me. And, and did the other girls say similar things like what you're saying? It was a great opportunity to be able to play with other girls. Like what was the general response from the girls in the program? The general response was, like, it was a great opportunity. I loved it. And, like, um, like things like that, They it was great. Um, like, more people should do it. And do you own a set of golf clubs or is this the new Callaway golf clubs? Are they, will these be your first ever set? So I have a Callaway golf clubs right now, um, but they're getting old. So I used to have, I don't know what, I think I had an old pair of Callaway too. So basically all my clubs were mostly Callaways. Well, no doubt you can't wait to hit off with your with your new clubs. And what do you want to do with your golf? Do you want to can play, just continue to play for fun or would you like to take it further? What's What would you like? Have you thought about what you want to do? I would like to take it a bit further. I would like to try and get my handicap down, try and play with the adults, like get my senior rights. Yeah. So then play more often and do more like golf and has the club been really welcoming of the girls yeah it's been great because our junior coordinator Peter 
she just tries to involve all the girls, like junior opens or and stuff like that. She wants to uh, for us juniors to get more girls into it or, or like any other people. And have you told any of your friends at school what you're doing and are they interested in joining? I told a few people, but I think they'll, I think they'll stick to footy and basketball. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you can be the one enjoying the great game of golf. So congratulations to you from all of us and, you know, continue loving it and continue playing it. It's a great game. Thank you. We have Lily Andrew and before her we also had Bethany who joined us. Both of them were recipients of the Callaway Golf Clubs. Coming up next we have Marco's Masterclass. That's right after this. Marco, as I said, looking forward to this one. What have you got on the two ladies? Well, the most beautiful thing about their games are their golf swings. And that's just not me saying it. This, this is experts from around the world. Look at their golf swings and just, just go, wow, the, the jaw drops. The simplicity is off the charts. And if you want a very, very simple swing, you always hear the term plain in golf. What we're not hearing enough of is shoulder plane. And when you look at Minji Lee's and Hannah Green's shoulder planes, they are absolutely perfect. Now, if you're doing if – you, if most, most amateur golfers that I see, they have a very shallow shoulder plane. They, they, they don't turn their shoulders towards the golf ball, not nearly enough. Yeah, just like you're trying to do right now. <laughs> but when you do that, the other thing you've got to do is you've got to make sure your hips – are doing the right thing because the shoulder plane and hips, when you when you try and make a steeper shoulder, back. that's right. <laughs> when you try to make a steeper shoulder plane, if you've got a flat shoulder plane, um, quite often your hips do the wrong thing. So you have to balance it out. So if the shoulders go back steep like that, you've got to turn your right bum cheek back to a wall. You've got to get it back and you've got to get those hips out of the way. So this is what the girls do that is so brilliant. Their shoulder planes are fantastic and they move their bum out of the way. And what that means is on the way down, their arms are free. They've got free arms on the way down. They're not in- inhibited in any way by coming into their, their hips. Uh, check out the Australian Golf Show, Ost Golf Show on Twitter, and I'll have it up there. But this is the most important thing for simple repeating swings. Shoulder turn and the shoulder plane, and also what the hips do to get out of the way so your arms are free through the ball. And just a little tip from me, make sure you warm up before you try it. Yeah, I'll try to get your <laughs> hips doing the right stuff if you're doing Stretch the safe golf line. Good on you, Tim. Good stuff. Thanks, Marco. Catch you next week.